Pastor Moore is coming right now. Everybody say, jump on in Jesus. Come on, let's love the Lord. Come on, let's give that unto Jesus let's this morning. Him. Oh, what a wonderful name called Jesus here this morning. What a sweet presence of our Lord. The presence of the departed one. That's the reason we call it the Holy Ghost. But he's here among us to walk among us here today. God bless you this morning. Appreciate all of you. You can be seated. We'll let our classes be dismissed, Sister Mallory. I forgot something Brother Moore said for me to tell y'all the other night. Y'all remember Brother and Sister Rouse? We prayed for them, for them to have a child. And then you remember they told us that they were expecting. Guess what else we prayed for? What did Brother Moore say? Not just a baby, but a boy. Guess what they're expecting? A boy. Well, we'll give God the praise for that this morning. Amen. That just thrilled my heart when Brother Rouse called me and told me about that. And man, I tell you what, we're serving an awesome God here today. He'll give us the desires of our heart, especially when those desires are upright and wholesome according to His will and His purpose. Amen. And there's a whole lot said there, all said and done. Sometimes His will and purpose is not the easy path, but it's a rough one. Amen. But if we just give ourselves unto him, I'm telling you, God's so good. So good to have Mr. Beal back with us again this morning. God bless him. Amen. Come and help us out in worshiping the Lord. Appreciate it so much. Amen. Brother Chris back there. Good to see each one of you. Brother Tony, been gone. Amen. Hallelujah. Nine and a half weeks, nine, ten weeks. Praise God back again today. Amen. Here Sunday, but yet getting on to California and back. So he's no doubt been from one extreme to the other. But it's good to be in the house of God today, isn't it? Back in the house of the Lord, in the house of prayer, in the house of worship. Continue to pray. If you'll look around, you can tell, amen, that some things has happened. Uh, several's out, amen. Some's with fever today and battling, amen, with uh, some has been tested and some hadn't. They don't even say the word. They just, they just text me and say, hey, we got test positive. I started to pick back, but I was afraid they was too sick, so I didn't. I said, positive for what? <laughs> but I'm glad I didn't, because when I text one back, he informed me he'd been in the bed all day with fever and hadn't got out of it twice. I said, oh, God, I'm glad I didn't pick back at him. He might not have been in the mood for that. But uh, anyway, but we, God's going to see us through this and keep us, and we're so thankful. Amen. As he moves for us and helps us. So let's remember all of them. And Brother Randy and Sister Debbie, they're trying to be safe. Let's pray. Let's pray. God keep them. They don't want to have another hiccup. Amen. To leave out on August the 15th. And uh, so no doubt. And so we're just asking God to minister in all these areas and to help them. God has. And I believe he's going to continue to do that. God sees. God knows. Amen. Uh, who he wants us to encounter with and his timing and place of things uh, to work on our behalf and help us along this journey. Amen. I'm glad he's ever present help in the time of trouble. Amen. You know, you don't have you don't have trouble finding friends when you got a lot of money and you don't have any troubles. But when you're in trouble, when it's hard to find friends. Amen. But God promised to be a help in the time of trouble. So if he promised to be a help in the time of trouble, guess who shows up when everything's doing great? He's still there, isn't he? He's an ever-present help. He said, I'd never leave you nor forsake you. 
Amen. You know, God's never going to bless us to the point that He has to forsake us. I have noticed, though, in the book, in the Old Testament with Israel, and at times probably with ourselves, that after God blessed us, if we're not careful, we'll have a tendency to forsake Him. Man, we don't have to pray as much. We don't have to do certain things. You know, we're blessed. We're doing good. And, you know, it takes time to all these blessings. But, uh, you know, we thank God. He's good to us. Got a good lesson this morning. If you've read it and studied it out, it's a, a, a powerful lesson. And uh, covers some ground. And, and uh, with the help of the Lord here today, we're mostly going to just focus on Jeremiah, the 36th chapter. And, and dealing with some of the kings. And um, you remember it's been a few months back. I don't know, remember exactly when. But I've made the statement how long just been since the preached word of God has moved us. And not just the preached word of God but the written word. When you took it out and you read it for yourself. And it smote you or moved you both maybe, maybe you know one way or the other. Sometimes possibly to repentance, other times of just rejoicing because of, of revelation, of insight, the word of God. It's, it's like bread, a man that feeds us. It's like water that renews us. You can't separate the word of God, God, the Holy Ghost, and Jesus Christ. They're all in one. They all combined and joined together. So, you know, I've heard people, if God would just give me something, would he give us a whole book? You know, and I don't mean that ugly, but I'm just telling you, uh, this is still the number one seller, but probably the least read. It's given us gifts, and you know, the family. And you could go jump out anywhere and say, uh, have you got the book? They're not going to go fill, pull out a filling stream. They're not going to go and get, you know, gardens. What's that for the ladies' housekeeping garden or something? I don't, can't remember it, but anyway, I don't read it. But praise God. You don't go get a Lewis Lamar. No, they, they know what you're talking about. You know, they know. They know you're talking about the Bible, uh, the written word of God, and the power of it. And so our, our lessons unmoved by God's word. Jeremiah 36 chapter is going to bring out an, an episode of time with Judah. God uses Jeremiah as a prophet to try to get Judah and Israel and other nations to repent. Because most of what's in the book, if we'll all just be honest with ourselves, the book is sometimes referred to as a mirror. As we look into it. Amen. To see ourselves. We're warned in the New Testament the danger of looking into the Word of God, seeing us as, as who we are and what we are, and then having a tendency to just lay it down and walking away from it and forgetting how we looked. It's very important to, as in Revelation, has taught us that he that's got an ear to hear what the Spirit has to say. I can tell us this morning, the Holy Ghost is never going to guide or in voice to us something that's contrary to what's written in the book. It's going to line up. It's going to join together. It's going to bind together. And uh, as we watch this lesson today, I'm moved by God's word. And there's a lot to it. We're going to do our best. <laughs> um, Somebody kind of let me know last week. Did you know that you talked all the way to 12 o'clock? 
Amen. So, but I cut it down Sunday night. You know, I made up for it. And uh, so, but we're trying not to be too lengthy. Uh, but this is a powerful and beautiful lesson uh, d- dealing with a lot of characters in a way and a lot of things to be said. And we hope something can be said here this morning to be as golden nuggets that you can put into your spirit, your heart, your mind. That's the reason we come to the house of God. We come to be fed. We come to be instructed. Man, that's what the word of God does. Amen. It is to instruct us, reproof. Amen. And uh, thank God for it. Where would we be today if it hadn't been for the written word of God? How many directions? We're already going in so many different directions with the Word of God because people want to distort and twist and take the Word of God and try to, you know, take just certain little parts of it and make doctrines out of it. But you know what? We want the whole. We're warned in the Scriptures not to add or take from the Word of God. In fact, you endanger your soul to damnation. If you, if or I, as a leader, spiritual leader, if I add or take from the Word of God, man, we don't have that right. We don't have that privilege. Thank God we don't. So the lesson, big idea, I will heed and obey God's Word. I'll heed and obey. Brother Ford doesn't mention Noah. He heard the voice of God in a very wicked and violent time. Amen. In fact, if you read that close, men on their mind continually. They never thought of God. They never bowed to God. They never called on God. But for day and night, their mind was on wickedness and violence. And if God hadn't stepped in and showed Noah grace, the then known world would self-destruct through violence. Amen. I'm watching some of this unfold today. I'm watching some of this come back to those moments and those hours and times, such as the days of Noah. Amen. With the violence and people killing one another and some for you know sometimes for no reason some things out of lust and things like that but sometimes amen for no reason whatsoever just killing innocent people they don't even know and so we're seeing these same types of spirit amen that's bombarding and taking and I'm here to tell you the only thing that can that can deal with these types of spirits is the word of God having the word of God here in our hearts that we might not sin against him amen it keeps you from saying that you hear voices hey I, I've read some stories on some of them said well God told me to do it but God's not a murderer God didn't tell you that that you was deceived to say that was God because we know by the written word of God that that's wasn't true thou shalt not kill that's one of the commandments the ten commandments original commandments that was given so we understand and realize that was not the word of God tells me that was not God's voice and and, and so sometimes that's the simple way we got to take it let me give you another example I've read articles before that say that there's no, no fish no whale that's able to swallow a man to keep a man for three days. Well, the Bible said that God prepared a fish. And I'm just going to believe what the Word of God says. I don't care what scientists say. I don't care what, who says this. I don't care how many tests they make. You know, just because you can't find a fish, amen, that can swallow a man and keep him for three days, that's your problem. But God said, I prepared a fish. And God can prepare a fish, amen. He can prepare us and He can do things. And we'll just let Him. God will work, but who will let? And so the same way with the Word of God. It's got to do what? Faith cometh by what? Hearing your what? Hearing the Word of God. And so when you begin to hear as the word of God it's not just a word of an individual or a group or a, a organization but it becomes the word of God and the word of God trumps all organizations the word of God trumps all men the word of God trumps every other voice that's contrary to the word of God the word of God is the only thing that's forever settled in the heavens it's unchangeable it's unmovable so that's the reason we're taught to build our lives upon what the word of God that's the reason Jesus said dig down and find the rock the rock is Christ that rock you find in the Old Testament that led the Israelite through the wilderness that rock 
like you find in the New Testament happen to be Jesus Christ who happened to be the chief cornerstone who have lead and guide and keep us in all the worlds of times. That's the reason we don't get up every morning. Amen. We're, you know, we're doing our hands and worried about nervous and all this. No, I know my daddy and my daddy's got it all in control and I'm in the palm of his hand and the word of God said no man can pluck me out. Hallelujah. The word of God said he'll keep me. The devil's not smarter. The devil may be smarter than me but he's not smarter than God and he's not smarter than the word of God. So the only way that I can won't see anybody just hide the word of God in my heart. Why is that so important? Because out of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Out of the abundance of the heart. And there's power in the tongue. The power in what's spoken. There's some things I just don't speak. I'm just not going to join in on some of that stuff. I just, you know, and... Uh, and some of this other conflict stuff that goes on, such as with this COVID. And, you know, I thought about this morning as we seeing it pop up a little bit here and there again. Amen. You're going to see these other spirits popping up, too, about whether what it is and where it's coming from and who started and who done all this other. All I can tell you is God's a sovereign God. And God's in the middle of all of it. And I just want to walk with God and do what God wants me to do in it. Amen. And walk through it. Amen. And to let God have his way. So the focus verse is in Jeremiah 36 and 24. Yet they were not afraid, nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words. They were unmoved. They was unchanged. The power of the word of God didn't affect them. They heard it. Amen. But it didn't move them. You know, it's a very dangerous place to get. Is to get into a place, become so calloused, so hard-hearted, so settled in our minds that the Word of God cannot move us. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter how long we've known God and the truth of God. Now, I ain't talking about moving from the doctrines of the Word. But you know what? <laughs> If I'm doing something that's unpleasing to this, I don't ever reach the place, you know, uh, uh, as, as, a, as an older gentleman, kind of put it that way, that, hey, I've got it and I've done No, I want the Word of God to still have the power to move me. Amen. To move me. Because without it, what are we going to do? Well, the Booker preached that one time. He talked about going to the moon. And, and he talks about regardless of how much the millions of dollars is put into the foundation, into the space shuttles, and all that it takes, amen, to get it launching off. Without mid-course adjustments, they wouldn't only miss the center of the moon. They would completely miss the moon. They had to have mid-course. And so you and I. That's the reason we've given a five-fold ministry to do what? To edify to strengthen, to build up what? The saints of God. But if you'll watch what I'm saying this morning to start with, the word of God and preachers, the world, through Hollywood and other means and ways, has done its best to destroy preachers and messengers of God. And you've got to see even in this chapter, I believe, now there's not a lot said about it from this writer or from commentaries. But I believe, and this is just me, and I'll take the responsibility of it. But I believe it's important who the messenger is and who reads the word of God has an effect on it, of the outcome of it. Let me give you a little, well, we'll get to that. Let me, we'll get to it. Okay. So, 
the truth about God. God expects us to heed and obey His word. God expects us to heed and obey His word. Let God be truth in every man a liar. Let His word be truth. And I know, and I know what we might be thinking sometimes. The word of God's not easily understood. That's right. It's not written like a Lewis Lamar book or Phyllis Stream or any of the other magazines. It's alive. This is about lives and characters. It's real. It's about prophecy that's going to unfold. It's about it's spiritually. The letter kills it, but spirit gives it life. Especially when you get in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was a physical church. The New Testament's a spiritual church. And but all of it, man, God, God will give you revelation, insight. We're going to talk about that some. A little later on about how God, when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. The moment you make up in your mind, I want to know you, God, for myself. Remember this, there's no grandkids in the kingdom of God. Hmm. You can't come in off of somebody's coattail. You got to know him for yourself. You got to have him, the statement that's made, and sometimes we as apostolics are a little hesitant about making this statement because of the abuse of it uh, as a personal savior. He has got to become a personal savior. Amen. The same way with the with Israel. When they come out of Egypt, come out of the world, the type of the world, everybody had to have a lamb. Everybody had to partake of that lamb. Amen. Everybody had to have the blood applied to the doorpost and lenders to keep the judgment of the firstborn. Amen. Coming in, the angel. And so likewise with us, we've got to have that blood. This is the founding of the word of God and what it has to tell. So as we watch this and some of this I won't go into. I'll just kind of uh, read your lesson. Go back and read that lesson. Uh, I won't follow a whole lot what's written there. I'm just going to go with Jeremiah 36 chapters because if I don't, it'll be 1 o'clock instead of 12. <laughs> okay, so we're going we're gonna to stay with Jeremiah the 36 chapter and just go through it and, and expound from that the, what unfolds and what takes place. Now... As you start, amen, the beginning of it, uh, we'll start with the beginning of it, uh, amen, how that God told Jeremiah, amen, to write on a scroll, and even though he did not do it personally, amen, there was a, another one involved. Now watch this. That can also be backed up with the Word of God and the witnesses, amen. How many witnesses does it take to, for you, for an individual to be uh, persecuted with death? How many witnesses had to be against him? It could never be one. I believe it's very important for us to understand why Jeremiah did not write it for himself, by himself. He spoke it. But somebody else wrote it down. That gives you two witnesses. Because the word of God is going to be a witness either for us or against us. And there's power in the word of God. It's like unto us a hammer. It's like unto as a sword. It's the power of this word. Amen. Even though it is written. Okay. So as you begin here, we're going to know when you go back to Jehoiakim uh, was the second son of Josiah. Also, Jehoiakim is not his original name. Amen. Jehoiakim was actually his original name. And uh, his elder son, brother, was actually set up for king, took the place of Josiah. If you remember, Josiah is likened unto Hezekiah. Hezekiah and Josiah, the two kings of Judah that brought revival 
unto the nation or to the, uh, to the kingdom of Judah like no other two kings. It's amazing what they was able to do. In fact, if you look back at, um, uh, I think it's 2 Kings 23 and 25. Like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all of his heart and with all of his soul and with all of his might according to all the law of Moses. Neither after him arose there any like him. A man, Josiah, a man, turned at eight years of age. A man, immediately, if you go back and read all this, and I know time won't let me do it this morning, but, but if you go back and read where at eight years old, he became a king. Amen. And after that, and by the time he was 18, he began to clean up the house of God. He began to restore and put back the Levites. He took out what was in the house of God that shouldn't have been there and restored what should have been there. He took out the, the spiritual leaders, amen, that his father Ahab had put up and took them out, amen. And, and now he's put back. He follows the same pattern, amen, of Hezekiah. If you go back to, to Isaiah 36, 7 and 8, and you're going to see also Hezekiah, this same pattern is set up. So often, many times, revival. There's a lot of things that has to be taken out. And so this is a liken unto us. This chapter is really about repentance. The word of God, the majority of it's written to us about giving us instructions into righteousness and godliness and to turn and, and, and to repent of our wickedness or evilness and sometimes this comes by just lack of knowledge of not knowing better amen the Bible told us that even in the end time there wouldn't be a lack of preaching there's probably more preaching today than there's ever been but they're not preaching truth in fact, if you watch some of this and you go back, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself just a little bit, but anyway, with Ahab, you're going to notice, and, and I'll come back to that. The Lord will help me. I'll try to come back to, to try to put that in the right perspective because it's very important. Amen. Peter warned us there'd be false teachers, amen, among us. And so, uh, you know, if we're not careful, we have a tendency to believe that any and everybody's going to be saved. No, those that's built found it and established their life and their walk according to the word of God's going to be saved. And any and everybody else is outside of Jesus Christ. Brother Ford, this is the only name. Jesus, the only name is given under heaven whereby we must be saved. There is no other name you can call on because all power in heaven and earth has been given to this name. So if you try to call on any other name, Jesus Christ himself, you come as a thief and robber. Well, we know thieves and robbers are not going to make it in. And so we, we, we understand this, that we have got to be gotten by the word of God but we're also kept by the word of God we're not only begotten but we're kept by it amen to keep us from what the spirit of error amen and, and to being deceived or misled because we know the, the adversary the Lucifer the devil himself amen from the very garden we understood that he twisted and distorted the word of God with Eve and persuaded her amen that you know if he touched it amen and, and now watch this and Eve responded to him when he talked about Surely you won't die. You'll just become as gods as us. You know what the most important part of that was? The power of choice. They had one thing to do, and that's to keep their hands, and not necessarily their hands, but not to eat. Not to eat of that forbidden fruit. My personal belief, and a lot of them believe, amen, that there's a possibility that Adam had told her, maybe they was walking through the garden, and she saw that tree, and she questioned about it, and Adam said, hey, hey, you can't eat of that one. So we'll lose life. We, 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 you know, we, 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 we got promised to say we'll die. And so we can't eat it. Said better, don't even touch it. What do you tell your, your children you're bringing them up? There's some things, you know, don't partake of it. Better off, don't even touch it. Don't even get associated with it. Don't even come in contact with it. It's better not to touch those things. 
And so we understand that principle. But could it be that even as the serpent or as the devil spoke to Eve and so finally persuaded her and she reached up and gets a hold of him and nothing happens. Nothing transpires until, watch this, partakes of it. And so taste and see that the Lord is gracious. His word, taste, got to take it in. You know, you can go to the doctors, and, and I, I'm, I'm just using this as an analogy. Okay, don't, <laughs> praise God. You can go to the doctors, and they may tell you, give you a prescription. And, uh, you, you know, you take that prescription, and they normally write it out. You ain't got a clue what they wrote, and they normally sign it in a way that you ain't got a clue who signed it. But when you take it to the pharmacist, they know how to interpret it and how to give you the right medicine, and you got to trust all this. And you don't even know what's in the bottle. You don't know what's in the shot. You're just trusting them. And it's still amazing to me sometimes how we'll trust a physical doctor, but, but when we come to the house of God. Now, I'm, I'm going I'm to play a little balance act with that. I don't, think, I don't think, and I've been here lately, I've been focusing on this part right here. Don't depend on what you get from this pulpit to be enough to sustain you. That's what's happened to America. She has depended upon whatever pulpit they're setting before they never read it for themselves. Never study it out. Watch this. If you're preaching truth and telling truth, hey, search it. Let the book back it up. God even told them, said, judge. They're in the gifts of the Spirit and things of that nature. Let others, they sit and listen to judge and see whether or not this is of God or not. God can witness for himself. You know, we're in earthen vessels. That don't mean we get everything just perfect. Okay, <laughs> I know I'm, I'm playing a little, but, but it's the truth. So now as we watch Josiah as he came in and he brought all this about. And, and now his oldest son's put in. He's, he only stays in kingship for three months. Three months, the oldest son. And then the second son. Now watch this. The second son wasn't put in by the people. But because, amen, because of Pharaoh came in. And Nero, amen, came in, and he sets him up as king. And the Bible says he's wicked. He does evil. He doesn't follow, amen, Josiah. He doesn't follow the fathers, but he performs this wickedness and evilness. And he sets him up, and he sets up him as a king for 11 years. And so this prophecy and writings of Jeremiah 36, is, is, it kind of intertwines and deals with Josiah, amen, and, and his, his kingship, I mean, Joah. Jehoiakim, amen, and his kingship. In fact, he says, and it came to pass in the fourth year of, of Jehoiakim's kingship. Jeremiah's writing this. He's going to write it and prophesy unto him. If you remember, uh, Jeremiah was a prophet over about four different kings in their period of time, amen, of serving as king of Judah and Israel, okay? And so he talks about in the fourth year, said, uh, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Notice the L O R D is all in capital letter, which is Jehovah God, God the Spirit. Amen. And then the second verse said, Take thee a roll of a book. It's a parchment. 
It's a skin. It's a means and ways that they had progressed to, to writing. They used clay and things of this nature. But here, this part of the scrolling man was rolled up on like a stick. And you've seen them more, probably a lot more fancier than probably what they had there in that time. Man, but they roll them up. And so they roll them out. And so he would write and, and write upon this what Jeremiah is going to prophesy unto him about. Write therein all the words that I have spoken unto you against Israel, against Judah, against all of the nations. Now, now notice, now, probably Jeremiah and all the writers uh, at the time when they was writing their particular letters, they would never knew that there was going to be a book called the Bible, that there was going to be a time of canon with all these books, 66 of them is going to be brought together. But, but watch this, even when you go to Revelation and John's writing, he talks about how the books are going to be opened and we're going to be judged out of the books. You have the book of life, the names that's written in. And, and then you talked about the books itself that we're going to be judged out, which is the Bible, the Word of God. So everybody's going to have to give account for what's written in this book. Regardless if, if they've made their way to the house of God, and regardless if they have took the time and bought them a Bible and took the time to read it and study it for themselves, amen, to see how they would be moved by this book, amen, taken as God's Word, given the instructions and guidance. And I'm telling you, the Word of God just works together, amen, even though it's over 2600, 2,600 years of being written. Amen. Amen. It, it works together. You can tell it was one author from the beginning to the end. You can tell there was one author. Amen. They didn't have computers and means of, of being able to work together and join together and say, what did you write? They didn't have all of that. Amen. So several would be separated for hundreds of years apart, but yet they would fall hand in hand. So there was what? As Peter said, they was moved upon, breathed. No words. They was inspired. Who? Holy men of God. Amen. So this is a God's idea, not a man's idea. This is God God's idea to give this is a book unto man, not man's book unto God. But this is God's book unto us. This is God's contract. When you say Old Testament, New Testament, that's covenant. Or a better term for us would be contract. So God's written out this contract to us in an Old Testament and a New Testament. And God wasn't afraid to write down what he's willing to accomplish and what he's willing to achieve. And what he's got laid up for us. And what inheritance he's got laid up for us. And all the promises, amen, that are yea and amen through Jesus Christ. Amen. So we see all this book and the writings of it. How it works together to bring us about. And so this is just a little example, amen, of the scroll, amen, is what's being written as God uses, amen, individuals to bring this about. So he moves upon, amen, and calls uh, for this book or this role of the book to be written within all the words that I have spoken to thee against Israel, Judah, against all the nations, not just Israel and Judah, catch that, all nations, Amen. From the day I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even unto this day. So he's talking about the days of Josiah from that point in time. Because if you remember what moved Josiah, it was the word of God. Amen. They found the word of God in the house of God. They brought it out and read it. And Josiah was moved. He humbled himself and repented. He said, hey, our fathers have done wrong. We got to do what's right. And he sends the priests and he sends a team to the house of God. And he sends them and tells them to pray and say, hey, what have we got to do? us and the people. What do we got to do? And so if you go back and read that, you're going to see they repented. And you, if you notice, if you read on there, they were sent to a prophetess. Hold on. And hold on. Amen. Informed them saying, hey, hey, because he humbled himself. Talking about Josiah. Because he humbled himself and repented. He's not going to see it. But the judgment's still going to come. Why? Because of the sins of a 
Manasseh because the sins of Manasseh brought blood, amen, into the city and into the temple. And that wasn't going. And God said, I'm not going to pardon that. I'm not going to overlook that. It's going to have to be dealt with. And so, but, but Josiah, because by the word of God, and he was moved by the word of God, repented, humbled himself, and pushed this off, amen, until his sons, amen, at time. And so here, that's what he's talking about, Jeremiah, when he says, Josiah, amen, this prophecy and all this is going to unfold and take place. And so through these kings, and, and so when he goes from that, he says, it may be that the house of Judah, listen to him, here's the key of this, this whole setting. It may be, man, by the word of God, uh, it, it concerns me today, the, the lack of, now I know it's our generation, I understand that. But, but yet, uh, the lack of being moved by the word of God. And sometimes so short-lived. To hear the word of God and moved maybe, sometimes we don't even get out of the service good. And it, it's, it seems to have lost its effect to move us and to guide us and to cause us. Amen. And, and so, but this is what Jeremiah is writing to him. It may be that the house of Judah, <clears throat> we hear of all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return, return, repent. Repent means simply about face turn, turning from, from whatever's contrary to God's will. Now watch this. If you go to this setting here and watch all of this with Hezekiah, with Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet that came. A man that prophesied to him and told him, hey, you're going to Babylon. You're going for 70 years. You're not going to get out of it. And they throwed him in the dungeon. And they'd done their best. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to stop his voice. Because the kings, a man, didn't want to hear that. That's the same way even with this particular chapter. They didn't want to hear that type of judgment. That could go along with our day and time. Folks, the coming of the Lord's coming. Amen. The end time's coming. There's going to be some very difficult and, and troubled times coming. How far is the church going to be involved in this? You know, we're just going to stick with what Brother Booker says. It's going to pan out. We just don't know when we'll get panned out of here. Until then, we got to hold on and we got to fight. And we may have to deal with the Antichrist, and we're dealing with the Antichrist. John made that clear. We already deal with Antichrist spirits, amen, and, 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 and false doctrines and things of this nature. We're watching evil and darkness and wickedness, even upon this nation. We, we battle from the White House right on down about this nation being a Christian nation. My personal opinion, when any politician tries to say we're not a Christian, they ought to impeach him immediately. Because this country was founded, built upon this book, more than a constitution. Because this book is the very foundation that our constitution was built upon. That's the reason God blessed this nation and has blessed it so often in so many ways that we become a nurture and a help to all the other nations in the world when they act like antichrist people and we came in and put things in their own hands and destroyed humanity. And when they were, they would take their leadership and start drawing humanity, God would raise up this nation, amen, against them. And we would go in and we would kill them and annihilate them without taking their lands, without taking their money without getting any money whatsoever. What did God do through Jesus Christ? He come to save us and redeem us. You can't buy it with silver and gold. Hey, it's all a type and a shadow when you get down and get to looking at it. That's the reason all those other nations hate us with such a passion. Because they hate Jesus. They hate God. They hate righteousness. Because they got the wrong leadership. 
the prince of the air. I can say this. There's a lot of them in the White House. They don't realize they're just puppets on the stream under the power of the prince of the air. When you start condoning and, and encouraging lifestyles that are so contrary to what's right and pleasing to God. People has a right. They can make whatever choice they want to live, whatever lives they want to live. But this bars some of them out of heaven. And there's the problem. Well, here's the battle of that. I'll just go ahead and say it. Here's the battle of that. They want us to open up our doors, open up our pulpits, put them in our Sunday school rooms, put them in our leadership so they can be the spiritual leaders. But I'm telling you, this does not allow it. And any time, even in the Old Testament, that kings put the wrong type of leadership in the spiritual house of God, they always led them to destruction and to the judgment of God. Always. Always. And God used those other nations as an arms and a means to bring that punishment. So, we're not going to be exempt from that either. Anyway, so... The whole purpose of this is to write, amen, to get them to understand. Now watch this. You can go back to Psalms 40 and 7. You're going to understand, amen, when Jesus, and, and, and we know it's David's writings, and we know he's talking about the Messiah, the Messiah, amen, he's talking about Jesus Christ in the volume of the book. That's the reason you can see Jesus Christ from the very beginning and the first promise of Genesis 3 and 15, amen, that God in the time of cursing the people and even the woman he said to the seed of a woman, amen, against this serpent. We know that seed was none other but Jesus Christ himself. Isaac, amen, is another example of the seed, the promised child. And that's the reason the Hebrew writer talks about, amen, whose child are you going to be? Are you going to be of the, the servant, amen, the Hagar, amen? Are you going to be of Sarah, amen, the promised child? And that promised child is Jesus Christ. That knew no earthly father, but it was the Holy Ghost that overshadowed Mary. And God provided himself. Catch that. God provided himself to Abraham. Isaac, amen, when he had that realm. But God provided himself. Not, not a man like there's two or three in the Godhead or two or three persons in the Godhead. God provided himself through who? Jesus Christ, the man, the person, the manifestation. Amen. Of God was Jesus Christ as he walked upon this earth. That's a reason to step out of the bow of the ship and say, let there be peace. And the thundering had to stop. And the lightning had to stop. And the rain had to stop. That's the reason he could look at individuals, amen, and perceive what they thought, amen, before they even spoke it, amen, because he was God manifested in the flesh. That's the reason he could speak the script withered up arms, amen, to be straightened out. And they straightened out. That's the reason he could cast out devils, amen, by just simply speaking to them, amen, amen, without doing all this other stuff and putting on some kind of show. No, the power's in the word of God. The power's in the voice. The power's in the written word of God. That's the reason when we hear it. And I will tell you something. We're living in a day and a time of entertainment. And that entertainment spirit has moved into the church. We like for preachers, amen, to entertain us when they preach the word of God. We wouldn't like the Old Testament way. You know how they done it in the Old Testament? They just read it. That's all they done. Just got up here and read it. How many of you like to listen to them sermons just read off? Yeah, I don't either, but still. <laughs> Try to get my sound booth sometime to help me out. Y'all just, hey, y'all got my CD ready, just punching in. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I got talking about this texting one time. I said, well, I'll just start texting mine to everybody then. <laughs> no, I'm just going on with you. 
Praise God. We know it's by the word of God and the preach word of God. And thank God for it, man. Five-fold ministries. You know, God, even God himself, he set up a five-fold ministry. And the methods, means, and ways of delivering it. Hallelujah. So, so thank God. We know that Jesus Christ come in the volume of the book. You look back at Psalms 40 and 7. He talks about that. Amen. Amen. It's written up me. It's talking about Jesus Christ himself, the volume of the book in that. And so it's so important to see the importance of all this unfolding. You pick up and you start looking at, um, uh, if you notice, he said, it may be that the house of Judah will cure all the evil. A good, a good example of that is with Jonah. I'm going to tell you something. He didn't put a whole lot into his message. He just simply got to Nineveh and told him, hey, hey guys, <laughs> God's fixing to destroy this place. If you don't repent, amen, in three days, he can destroy this place. He's fixing to take it down. Amen. And you know what? God had to get him a special vehicle to get him there. Yeah, that same well I was talking about earlier. But anyway, we're going to bypass going on to that. But in the fourth verse, and then Jeremiah called Baruch, amen, the son of Neariah. And Baruch wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord, which had spoken to him upon a roll of a book. And so we understand and we realize, amen, the importance of the word of God and, and what it would do and lead and guide and help us. Amen. And so he wrote all these words and Jeremiah commanded Baruch saying, I am shut up. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. Now there's different opinions of that particular verse. Some of them says he's in prison. But, but, but watch this. If you drop down to the ninth verse, watch this. And it came to pass, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but, but I want to just prove a little point here. And the fifth year of Jehoiakim, I think, is maybe I need to jump down further than that. But anyway, further on, we'll get to it. You're going to notice that uh, uh, after the princes hear what Jeremiah, what the word of God's read to them, they tell, for, tell the messenger and for Jeremiah to go and hide themselves. Jeremiah can't be imprisoned and go and hide himself at the same time. So, what, I, what the point I believe, this is me, okay, this is just me. I believe that Jeremiah, the reason he couldn't come, because God wouldn't let him. And here's the problem sometimes we get, we get with God. Because, watch this, this is the biggest problem, amen, with some of these kings, the kings of Judah and kings of Israel, and some of them, they didn't want to go to Babylon. They didn't want to go to captivity, but it was already prophesied, and they were going. In fact, they was better off those that submitted to it, yielded to it, gave themselves unto it. That's the reason Daniel and the three Hebrews done so well. And the stories you read about them, amen, is in Babylonian captivity. But they went with the right attitude and the right spirit. We're going to be here for 70 years. We're going to get over here and plant. We're going to build houses. Or we're going to take some that they already built and plant. We're going to enjoy ourselves because you know what? We're going to be here for 70 years. We're going to still serve God. We're going to do what God wants us to do. We're not going to bow to your images. We're not going to bow to your way of worshiping. Because in 70 years, God's going to get us out of here. Amen. There's a spirit going to get a hold of this country and mock it. Amen. About the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what? They can mock and make light of it all they want to. But one day they're going to drive by that graveyard out there and there's going to be some empty graves. They're going to drive back here and it's going to be an empty parking lot. You know why? Because we're going to be gone. And then it's going to be left to them and they can do whatever they want to. Why? Because that's in the Word of God. And God's Word is going to be fulfilled. It doesn't matter who believes it, who don't believe it. No matter who obeys it, who don't obey it. God's Word's going to be fulfilled. And that's a simple thing that Jeremiah is talking about here. Amen. God that's where it's going to be fulfilled. You're going to Babylon, like it or not. And it cost him. It cost him dearly. Amen. To be put into the well and be places of that nature. But the time won't ever score all that. But anyway. So as he goes on, he says, I am shut up. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. I can't go there. I can't do that. Amen. So we realize 
what's unfolding here with Jeremiah's life. Therefore, go thou and read the Lord, which thou hast written from thy, thy mouth unto the words of the Lord to the ears of the people. Now, notice this is the first time. The word of God is carried to the people, the house of God. That's the first place. Hmm. It's important. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together to have your place to come. Have your place that you can come together. Join together. Unite together. To hear God's word. To feel God's presence. That's not all. What's this? This is where you also get into the place where the, the nine gifts are in full operation. Very few, very few vessels has all nine gifts. Maybe not any. I don't know. Some believe that Paul did. I don't know. But I will say this. If you read it close enough in Paul's writing to Corinthian, he said... One Lord, one God, but each one would have what? Gift of prophecy, gift of wisdom, gift of knowledge, gift of tongues, gift of interpretation of tongues, gift of faith, gift of healing, gift of working of miracles as individuals. So to see all of them work together and to be all that God and what he can do for a body, then all the members have got to come together. It's kind of like your body. It's not whole unless you have... Got to have some feet. Got to have some hands. Got to have ears. You may not like them. <laughs> you may not like the shape of them. You may not like something about them. You may not like your nose, but thank God he could have given you two noses, one ear. <laughs> what do we call that? It's deformed. It's messed up. God's church is not deformed, and it's not deformed today. Not those that lines up to this book, honey. And the church has power. The church has more power than the White House. Sure, a lot more whiter. <laughs> Praise God. Well, I'm sorry. Well, we washed as white as snow. If we repent and make confession and do it on a daily basis, I'm still in the book. We ought to be the most white. And, and I don't say that, you know, I'm not discriminating. God have mercy. I'm telling you, we have to justify everything we say anymore. It's so silly. We're so silly about stuff. Amen. Talking about the heart, man. It's talking about the heart. Praise God. Don't worry about the skin. Praise God. Worry about the heart. That's what's going to count. That's what's going to mean something. God ain't going to you know, judge you by skin. In fact, Revelation said all kindreds, all tongues, all nations. I think that pretty well covers everybody, don't you? So anyway, so as he moves on, he's going on, and he talks about, Therefore, God, thine read the roll is going to be at the house of God, the words of the Lord, and the ears of the people, the house upon what? A, the fasting day, and also thou shalt read them in the ears of all of Judah and out of, the, out of all of their cities. And so the word of God is for all and everybody. So he starts this process. He's going to take it, and he's going to go to the house of God on the fast day. Now, this great day of atonement, uh, amen, we know that one of those days or the tenth day of the seventh month, you see where certain fast days go back to Leviticus and things of that nature. Uh, some believe, and I didn't carry you back there, but you can go back into 2 Kings. You'll read where God brought a man against, against a man, the king here, Jehoiakim. A man, what was brought against him was the Chaldeans, the Moabites, the Ammonites. Seemed like there was another two, about four or five nations that was brought against a man, Elohim, and his kingdom because he was refusing. He refused Babylon. He served him for three years, and then he rebelled against him. And when he rebelled against him, God, read, go back and read it. I think it's 2 Kings 24, I hope. I think of 1 Kings 24, one of them. I, I'm sorry. But uh, go back and read, and you'll see where God raised these up and brought them against him. Some believe that this fast day, that he had called a fast day to deal with this, and he's bringing in his princes and bringing 
in the people. And, you know, no doubt, amen, uh, uh, our own country, you know, when this pandemic went through, we should have been calling fast days and prayer days uh, because, you know what, when, when doctors and medication and they're struggling with things, what's the best thing the church can do is join in. We're going to fast and pray and ask for help that's outside of this world that can help us and along this. And so we, we understand that. That's what should have, should have took place. And, and so he goes, and it may be that they will present their supplication before the Lord and will return everyone from his evil way. Notice what happens here with the word of God. Amen. Even Jesus Christ come along whenever they couldn't, his disciples couldn't cast out the demons. Amen. That was taking this little boy from a child from one extreme to the other, from the water to the fire. Amen. And they questioned him afterwards after he cast us out. And he simply tells them, he said, these kind only come by what? Prayer and fasting. Amen. I believe one of the probably the biggest problems, and, and please let me just say it. Amen. One of the biggest problems of our today modern church is people's not willing to fast. They're not willing to pray. But these are two powerful ingredients. Amen. They're to make the church powerful and to walk in the power and the demonstration of God and by the word of God. These are things that you and I must practice with the right spirit and the right attitude and the right, you know, for the right outcome. We don't fast. Amen. Just to lose weight. That's just one of the benefits. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. But, but, but the motive behind, the reason behind it, why? To humble myself. That I can hear the voice of God. That I can know the mind of God. That I can know His will and what direction. That we can be endued with the power. That we can pray for the sick. And we can pray for these. That God would raise them up and heal them and bless them. That we can see revival. Amen. I mean, I mean come on folks. You and I, we can't walk in darkness and help others. I've heard people tell me that. Amen. I'm going to go to their parties. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what they're doing. You're going to win them. No, you're not. You're going to be caught up in the same spirits and caught up in the same you're not going to win people like that that's like a man getting up and going to pull somebody out of a bog and you're going to have to get bogged down yourself how are you going to help anybody when you're bogged down? So we can't be bogged down in sin and unbelief and all this stuff. No, the Word of God, that's what helps us, amen, to live overcoming life and victorious lives by the Word of God. And hey, if you don't put nothing else in your heart and mind, the Spirit's going to put there. If the Word says it, that settles it. I'm not debating over it. I'm not fussing with nobody about it. I'm not arguing with nobody about it. It settles it in my heart. It settles it in my mind. If it's settled in heaven, it needs to be settled in us. That's one thing that's wrong. Amen, amen. Too many people are unsettled about the Word of God. But God's not the author of confusion. And the men that wrote this God, amen, word of God by, by the Holy Ghost, they weren't confused when they wrote it down. You know what the second biggest problem is? Most people don't have the Holy Ghost to give them the interpretation of it. That's the truth. I mean, they, you can take this word, and you, can, you, can, you can come up with any kind of doctrine you want to, out of the word. They can. But the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will lead and guide and direct us. And, 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 and I'm going to get that in just a few minutes. So, we're going to try to beat that 12, but I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> anyway, as he goes on, he begins, he carries the word of God. So, uh, Baruch, amen, took the book. Amen. The words of Jeremiah to the house of the Lord, into the chambers. And so these are in places, amen, they begin to carry it. And, and you're going to notice the sons of all of these, the scribes and different ones that was part of this chamber, amen, a part of this great host. Amen. And you're going to see that Micaiah, the son, amen, of, of, had heard out of the book all the words of the Lord. And so here they are. They're beginning to be moved. These are certain ones as scribes that's holding positions in the chamber, amen, even of the king and the, of the leadership that's going on. So they, they, they've listened to him as he reads the word. Word of God, and he just simply read it to him. 
He just simply read the word of God to him. And so they moved upon the 12th verse goes on. He said he went down into the king's house, into the scribe's chamber. Amen. We know this is a place where king's business was conducting again. There's a lot of them believe that there's a strong possibility that whenever these other nations come against them, this is time, a serious time of war time. And so even the king was coming in. He was calling in his princes. He was calling in his chamberlain. He's trying to get answers. He's trying to get direction. Amen. Of what to do and how to do. And this is probably a strong reason why Jeremiah could not go down there himself. Amen. Because he already had the reputation. He already, amen, had it. Amen. That, that they was already trying to kill him. There's already, you're trying to destroy him because he was the only voice most of the time, amen, uh, to, to accomplish or to fulfill God's will. I could take you another place with, with Ahab and Jehoshaphat. Amen. Whatever they wanted to go up against uh, uh, certain ones. And, and, and so Jehoshaphat said, you know what? Amen. Why don't we, why don't we get a hold of God? Why don't we ask God about it? And, and we know that hey, Ahab you know what's he do? He calls on 400 prophets, amen, to come prophesy to him. And then Jehoshaphat, is there not one? Is there not one? And, and, and Ahab said, Yeah, there's one, but I hate him. Micaiah, I hate him though. He's always against me. No, he was always for truth. And that's the difference, you know. And, and I'm gonna tell you something in this end time, the Bible says we'd be hated for his name's sake, but without his name, you got to take on the name. How are you gonna do that through baptism? Amen. You gotta take on his name. You gotta you gotta you be his bride. You gotta take on his name. I, I mean, much as I love my wife, but she wouldn't have been willing to take on my name, I wouldn't have married her. You know, my name may be in mud, but <laughs> praise God, you're gonna make it better. You gotta think of it that way. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'll fix and break some break some good blood into this name. Huh? What about that? Well, okay, I'm going. <laughs> praise God. I may have hit something there I should have left alone anyway, but <laughs> But anyway, it goes in there. So here we're going to have where the cake and care of the king's business. And the Bible says, the, into the uh, scribes' chambers. And lo, and all the princes sat there. Amen. And begins to talk about the different ones and those that were sitting there. So we got some, you know, something like the Secretary of State and things like that. That's these guys. That's what positions that they was holding and who they were. And so as he read this unto them, they were moved. And watch them. As you go on down, you're going to notice when you go down to 13th uh, verse. Micaiah declared unto them, to them all the words that he had heard when Baruch, a man, read the book in the ears of the people. And so when you go to 14th church, therefore all the princes sent Jehudad, a man, or Jehudah, I guess is how you say it. Boy, I love these names, man. I'm telling y'all what. I'd love to hand the mic and let y'all do it. But anyway, praise God. Hallelujah. But, but anyway, sends him, and he goes and gets a man, Baruch, a man, and he gets the roll, and he brings it. He says, take in thy hand the roll within thy host, and read it in the ears of the people come. And so Baruch came, amen, and he came unto them, and they said unto him, sit down now, read it in our ears. And Baruch read it in their ears, and now watch this. And it came to pass when they heard the word of God, and he's just reading it to them. But as they heard the word read, the Bible says, when they had heard all the words, they were afraid, both one and the other. The Bible said to them, they trembled unto one to the other. They could tell by the expressions on their faces that they heard. They say sitting there and hearing the word read. They could tell by looking at one another. Amen. And the expressions on their faces. Oh my goodness. 
Oh my. You know, it's like bad news or something of that nature. When, when they're getting a hold of you, know, you could tell by their countenance. Hey, I, I've, told, I've taught this church. Our countenance makes all the difference in the world, ladies and gentlemen. We can say what we want to. And including when we hear in the word of God, the effect is harmonic upon us, whether or not if it's resting or not, whether or not it's getting a hold of our hearts, our minds, and our spirit. Hallelujah. There is a wake up. There is a stirring. And here's the dangerous thing about constantly coming to the house of God. Hey, man, I'm going to tell you something. As much as I like ice cream, but if I got to eat Neapolitan every morning, every after afternoon and every evening, amen, and then at midnight I got up and ate it. After a while it just wouldn't mean a whole lot. In fact, after a while I'd get where I don't want to get up and eat it. And sometimes if you and I are not careful because we uh, have the opportunity to be in the house of God in America, amen, where other countries have to walk miles and do other things and don't get to conjugate but just occasionally. But you and I get to do it at least three times a week. Hallelujah. But if we're not careful, we'll come in the house of God nonchalantly, half-hearted with 900 things on our mind and we'll miss what the Lord of God's telling us because that's the method of the enemy because he understands and realizes if you ever have an ear to hear the word of God the word of God has the power amen to transform us the word of God has the power to shake us when nothing else could shake us the word of God has the power to save us and redeem us and put us out of the mire clay and put us out of darkness hallelujah that's not the power of the word of God the power of the preacher the power of the gospel and amen I'm here to tell you amen you and I we must be anointed and become the spiritual epistles of the world that we're living in because I tell you if there's ever been a generation that needs spiritual epistles full of the Holy Ghost and led by the Holy Ghost. We're living in that generation. Those people out the highways of byway needed somebody that's settled and anchored and grounded and know what they're talking about. So to know what you're talking about is to know this. To memorize it. Study, show yourself approved to God. Rightly dividing. Now notice, he says rightly dividing the word of truth. Not the Bible. The word of truth. There's a word of truth that comes out of this. And there's a lot of words of distorting and false doctrines and things that can come out of this also. It just depends on the messenger. It depends on where he received his doctrine. It depends on where he received his revelation. It depends on who he's lent his ear to. Because you can lend your ear to what you want to hear. When you lend your ear just to hear what you want to hear, that's what you're going to hear. And you can call it the Word of God. And you can find scriptures to back it up. But the problem is, you've got to put precept upon precept and line upon line and scripture interpreting scripture. And when you start doing that, all of a sudden, some things that we built our lives upon and doctrines that we thought was in the Bible, all of a sudden begin to crash down and a realization, understanding comes in. Do you know what? There's more to this. There's more to this, amen, than just a little here and a little there. Hallelujah. There is a foundation. And then how take key how we build thereon. Hallelujah. You know what? Why don't want, when you built your house, you want it more than a foundation. Foundation. You want walls and you want ceilings and you want a roof to it and you want to build it strong. Why? Because the elements, uh, amen, of the around us is going to come against it. Uh, and so the same way with us, we're all going to face a judgment day. But unless we build ourselves upon the word of God and allow the word of God to move us, uh, I'm telling you, we in a generation, we need the word of truth to move us, uh, move us forward back into truth, uh, back into the doctrine that's wholesome and godly and upright in a place and around that God can take up the habitation. I'm telling you, miracles, uh, there's no end to miracles. Uh, I'm telling you, the Word of God's taught, the Word of God's preached, and the anointed God flows. We can have miracles, wonders, and signs. We can have the operation of God. It's God's heartbeat to heal His family, to heal His people. It's God's heartbeat, amen, to fulfill these things and deliver us. As we watch this, hmm. 
trying to. When they was all moved and, and, and they were so stirred. Now watch this. 16th verse. We will surely tell the king of all these words. They felt the duty. They felt responsibility as princes after hearing the word of God. We got to carry it to the king. When you and I have heard truth, when you and I have experienced truth, we have an obligation and a responsibility and a duty to tell our neighbors. Watch the next question, though. Next verse, 17th verse. And they asked Rukah, saying, Tell us now, how didst thou write all these words at his mouth? You know what they're asking him? Would you, would you get these words? Whose authority is with these words? I mean, did you just come up with this? Where did it come from? That's really so important being able to take the word of God. And you talk about the plan of salvation. When you talk about living a godly, wholesome, separated life. It's got to be in the book. But if it's in the book, then everybody's got to do it. No one's exempt. We're begotten by the word. We're delivered by the word. How powerful is the word? How powerful is creation? Because God said, let there be light. The power of the word is what took a chaotic, chaotic deformed creation and began to bring earth and divide waters and bring life and light and hope. By the power of the spoken word, read Psalms. It's full of it. And so the same way with you and I this morning. The power of the word of God. Our preacher, I've always been this way. But the power of the word of God can change you. The moment you've got an ear to hear it. And a heart to receive it. The power of the word of God can change you in one service. The power of the word of God can change your life in one service. One encounter with God. Hallelujah. He didn't read to two two or three times. He brought it to the princes one time. And they felt the obligation to carry it to the king. And this is what we're going to really get to the, the moral or the, 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 the part of this lesson. Amen. That God's word didn't remove them at all. Because now they're going to carry it down to the king. And they're going to present it unto him. After they found out, amen, as, as Jeremiah spoke the words, I wrote it. Now watch this. I believe, amen. So Baruch, the, the secretary, if you please, became the hand for Jeremiah. He provided the book, the pen, amen, and the hand to write it. I believe if you read it close, you're also going to see that he said, and I wrote it with ink. I didn't write it in pencil. If you want something to stay, when you make a mark on something, what do you try to mark it with? We call it a permanent marker. So that the elements of the weather can't cause it to smur, cause it to be erased out. 
There's something about this Holy Ghost experience and Word of God experience. The devil could send all the fiery darts he wants to. Mankind can do whatever he wants to. But there's something about the Word of God that will always bring you out on the other side. If you'll just stay with the book, if you'll just stay with the doctrines of the Word of God, you're going to win the battle. You're going to win the race. It doesn't matter if they stone you. It doesn't matter, amen, what, if they throw you in dungeons and prisons. It doesn't matter how many times they whip you. It don't matter how long you, you keep bound up the Word of God. The Word of God is going to always find its way, amen, to victory. Word of God that changes the heart of a man. It's the word of God that reaches in there and like a hammer. And those stones of doctrines that's man-made. And that would hinder the relationship between you and God. It's the word of God that pounds on those things and breaks them up. That you can pass them and get through with them. Amen. It's the word of God. It's like a sword. When the vines and the things that's grown up in life and doctrines and false doctrines. It begins to try to grow up around you and choke the life out of you. It's the word of God. It's like a sword. It begins to cut them. Amen. Cut them loose that you can breathe. That you can be victorious. It's by the word of God. Amen. And sometimes all it takes, you don't even have to have a preacher. All you need to do is sit down and begin to read it for yourself and have a hunger and a thirst for it. I'm going to read it. I may not understand all of it, but I'm going to search it out and I'm going to read it and I'm going to find it because God said I could. God, amen, amen. This is a contract between God and me. It's going to become a personal thing. And when you start letting this become a personal letter from God to you, I tell you, when it starts becoming that personal to you, it'll change you forever. I know we don't do it anymore, but how many of us would sit down and write a real personal love letter to just anybody? This is a personal love letter to whosoever will. Now, that Jesus came and rent that veil from top to bottom. It's a personal love letter. But in this love letter, there's also the warnings of judgment. If we don't take heed to instructions of the love letter. So they tell him the princess for these guys is telling him now. Go back to the 19th verse. He said, then said the princess unto Rucha, go hide thee, thou and Jeremiah. Let no man know where you are. There's a reason for this. As you read through this, and I know my time's running out on me. So, um, so they went to the king's court. Amen. They laid up the roll in the chamber. The scribe, amen. They felt it was a safe place. It's a place where all the public records were placed. You know, you just can't walk in anywhere and just, you know, certain records. So they had laid the scroll up in a, what they felt was a safe place. And, and so they put it, and then they make their way down to the king. And so the king's there. Now this is the ninth month. Now this went from the tenth. This, this took a little time now, from the fifth month now to the ninth month. And so now they're going in, and the king, if you go down and look, uh, I think it's 22nd verse. And the king said in what is called the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire. He meant the hearth burning before him. And he, he came to pass that when Jehoiakim had read there, catch that one. Who reads the word of God to the king? 
It was not Ruka. It was not the one that God and Jeremiah had chosen. The one that had read it to the people in the house of God. The one that had read it to the princes that were moved and stirred. Could it be the reason that we don't see some places never have a stir to move is because the one that's presenting the word, reading the word, preaching the word, has never moved himself. See, there is a way of reading it. There is a way of presenting it. And so it's just as important to make sure that who's presenting that word to you, that they presented it, amen, in a way of truth. Not just reading it, but the method that is being presented. The reason it's being presented. And so we see here that the king had, Jehuda had read. And every time he would read, the Bible said three or four leaves. The king would take a knife. He'd cut it. And throw it in the fire. Until all of it was read. And he took every bit of it. And throwed it in the fire. Like that was going to destroy it. And he would never be accountable to it. Some people live their life. Their whole life with the hopes of not knowing. With the idea. Of not knowing. To get them by. And play. Play the, the facts of ignorance. Because they didn't know. But the Bible covers that. It even covers the areas where those that can't read. Even in your foreign countries. In the book of Psalms says there is a language that creation itself sends out. That everybody can understand. To know that there is a God. And that there is a designer. And there is an architect. Because creation itself has got a language to let everybody know. And when that individual looks around at the creation and says, you know what? There is a God. And they begin to cry out, God, God will raise up a witness. Whatever it takes. If he has to get him from the other side of the world. And send him there. He'll do it. The power of the Word of God. As you look at the last few verses of this particular chapter, we can see that <clears throat> 24 says, Yet they were not afraid. At one time, even this country used to fear and reverence the Word. Now, this is me, and I'm not making no issues out of this. I'm just, I'm just telling you. But I don't lay nothing on my Bible. The only time I lay up something on my Bible, I may lay one Bible on top of the other Bible. But I don't lay nothing else on top of my Bible. If you've ever noticed, even with my Sunday school book, it's always... This trumps all the other writings. Why? Just out of reverence, respect. I'm not making a big deal. Okay, I can remember a time when this nation 
the church doors could have been left open day and night. They didn't have to worry about nobody stealing any kind of anything out of it. Didn't have to worry about people coming on the grounds and drinking and doing and messing. And but over the last 30 years or better, the fear of God and His Word and the place of God has drifted away. The king wasn't afraid. His princes and those that sat with him. Now there was three, the Bible says, if you go and read it, that interceded and tried to get him not to burn it, but he wouldn't hear them. <laughs> the rich man tried to get, say, send somebody back from the dead, but, but no. He said, if he won't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they hear one that's risen from the dead. If we won't hear the fivefold ministry and the anointed ministry that God's called and God's elected, the fear of God. To, to take him at his word, that he, he meant what he said about life and principles of life and the way of life. He meant it. Now, his grace. Gives us that strength. He's a long-suffering. He's a mercy. I promise you. None of us can make it without it. So don't take, the, don't take this wrong. But here's, here's the problem. We're living in a world today that think they can live those lives and go to heaven. And don't want you to say nothing about it and get mad if you do. Even though it's the word of God. There's the problem. Those individuals just became calloused. And they just be, you know, either turned over to reprobates. Or God sent them a strong delusion that they might be lost. And in those areas, when you, when you get there. See, go back in this. Josiah, even whenever the, the prophetess Holder had sent word to him. Said, you won't see it. But your children's going to see this judgment. Because God was not going to pardon Manasseh in his sins. Some things God just won't. God told Moses. After Moses stood in and said, take my name out. God said, no. He said, you're going to lead him on. He said, but the guilty. The guilty. See, everybody wasn't guilty. He said the guilty. The guilty is those that don't have an ear to hear the word. And you could tell. You can tell by actions. You can tell by response. You can tell that people just shoves it aside by not obeying the word of God. Taking their chance that I might just get by. Could it be that one of the other things we're seeing today is nothing but the hand of God's judgment trying to wake us and stir us and move us. That we might pray. That we might cry out to him. Could it be the reason God's closing up some things and won't let it work like it used to work? And everything's that, that mankind leaned on to put his trust in, to rely upon for life and the pleasures and the enjoyments of life. <laughs> but didn't call on him. If we're not careful, we'll find ourselves so busy running seven days a week that we don't have time for God. We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to read the Word. And 
what we're busy doing. It's the way the enemy works. It's the way the devil has worked. Go the latter part of that same chapter. You can stand. I'm Word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after this, after he had burned it, after he cut it and burned it. Word of God came back to Jeremiah again. I won't read it, I'll just tell you. And so God moved upon him and, and, and he, he gave it back to him again. And not only did he give what had been burnt and destroyed by the unbeliever, he added to it. He added to it. As you watch down toward the end, he said, Thou shalt say to Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast burnt this roll, saying, Why hast thou written therein, saying, The king of Babylon shall certainly come and destroy this land, and shall cause to cease from thence man and beast. He's coming. Now watch this. It doesn't matter what people believe or don't believe. Jesus is coming. Okay. A rapture is going to take place. A catching away is going to happen. And Peter warned us, said there's going to come a mocking spirit about that. Making light of it, making fun of it. Now it hadn't bombarded this country, but it's coming. Right along with a lot of these other things that came along. And questioning the doctrines and the separation. And why you believe that? Because it's the word of God. And if, if we're not careful, you'll hear the same old story that you heard in the garden. God didn't mean that. Well, why did he write it down? He didn't just say it. There's one thing saying something. It's quite different to write it and put it down in ink. Huh. This country founded upon a handshake and the man's word at one time. But today we're slipped into an area you better have three or four lawyers and contract and all kind of things. And they still try to find ways of. But even God himself said. Let me ask you something. How did Jesus stop Satan? And the temptation of Satan. How did he stop him? It is written. When you read things in this book. That you know there's a doctrine and pleasing to God. It doesn't matter if nobody else on the face of the earth is doing it or not doing it. This ideal that so and so's not doing it or this one's doing that won't fly. This thing has got to become a personal thing. You and I have got to wrap it up. Wrap it up in our hearts, our minds, and spirit. I'm doing this as until I'm presenting my body holy and acceptable and pleasing in his sight. This idea that this body belongs to me is not true. This body don't belong to us. We didn't create it. But it was bought. It was bought with the price of the blood of Jesus. It's been washed in that lovely name of Jesus. It's been sealed by his spirit. My body... But watch this, not just my body, because here's an area I think we've slipped up in and we've let the enemy rob us of. We're having more mind problems today 
than we are body problems. But God said he put us a helmet of salvation, a hope of salvation. That's not all. Girding up the loins of your mind. Girding means to prepare against the onslaught, against the battle. Girding means preparing yourself for battle. Preparing yourself against the enemy. One of the most precious things. And I didn't even get there. Psalms 119. <laughs> the largest book in the Bible. I believe almost centered in the Bible. But it's there that David even writes. I hide the word of God in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's there that it's written. Amen. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet. And a light unto my path. The word of God's right. It doesn't matter what family members say and what. The word of God's right regardless of what religious re- leadership and where they come from and what all they've done and who they've been from and all this other stuff. The word of God's right. Amen. This theory and ideal that some has. It was good enough for grandma, but you don't know if it was good enough for grandma. But what you do, what you have got is this. That's what we've got with the Holy Ghost. I want to bring one more verse. I think I've got it. John 4, 24 and 26. God is a spirit. People can get a revelation of that. That's the reason not two or three persons in the Godhead. I've heard people sitting on the right hand of God. Let me ask you something. How can you get on the right hand of someone that fills all of space, time, and eternity? All galaxies. How can you get on the right hand side of Him? Literally, get on the right hand side of Him. The one that fills it, no matter how far this way you go, He's there. He's there. No matter how far you go, He's there and beyond that. You can't do it. Not literally. That right hand means a power and authority. It's going to come wrapped up in a lamb. He provided himself. The only person you're going to see in this is Jesus Christ. The only God. That's the reason there's one throne mentioned in Revelation. One throne. One that's going to sit on that throne called Jesus Christ. God is the spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him. I know that the Messiah. When the Messiah cometh. Listen to it. My question is to us this morning, do we believe that the Messiah has come? Hmm. Which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith to her, I that speak unto thee am he. Another place, I believe it's the 14th chapter of the same writing. I can't remember exact verses, but he talks about the Holy Ghost. Lead and guide us into all truth. God doesn't leave his church by itself. To blunder through this dark world and doctrines and men's ideas and opinions and the devil. No. He's given us something to guide us. He's given something to comfort us. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. He said, he talks about, he said, Myself and the Father is going to come and do what? Take up an abode. How's he going to do that? By his spirit. The Bible called it the earnest. The down payment. The measure of that spirit of God's spirit that comes and takes up.
And when you read your Bible in the book of Acts of that happening in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, and Acts 19, there's one true evidence that shows the initial evidence of that happening. And that's speaking that heavenly language with a Jerusalem ring. It's in the book. It's in the book. God had them to write it down. Amen. I'm glad to experience that. How about you? I'm glad to have the Holy Ghost. And even with the Holy Ghost, if we're not careful, if we don't tend to it, if we don't listen to it, if we don't obey it, I'm telling you that voice will get further and further away. That voice, our own calloused ideas and opinions, our own methods and ways of trying to do it. I'm, I'm telling you folks, there's a counterfeit of Pentecost. There's a counterfeit of tongues. There's some that confess, but the goods are not there. We don't want to be that. Because you know what? We've got to have the goods. We've got to experience it. It's not an option. It's not an option. It's a commandment. A man, Jesus told a man, Nicodemus, a man must be born again. That's not an option. To see or enter to the kingdom. That's the words of Jesus himself. It's not an option. <laughs> Don't let nobody cheat you. Don't let nobody mislead you. You go to the book. You go to the book. What I've taught this morning. You go to the book. You read it for yourself. You pray for understanding. You pray for revelation. God will give it to you. God loves us enough. He'll give it to you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll open up means and ways that, that'll blow your mind if you'll just sell out. If you'll just let Him be God. This God will save us. This book, this book will lead us to life eternal and life everlasting. This book will get us out of here with all the chaos and trouble and darkness and wickedness going on, folks, and it's on us now. End time's on us. Time's running out. Today is a day of salvation. Now is the time. It's a dangerous thing to keep pushing certain things off. Time will run out. Nobody really don't know what tomorrow holds, but God does. And God's in the business of giving salvation today. God's in the business of saving souls today. If there's ever been a time that we need these altars covered again with broken hearts, and broken lives. It's ever been a time that we need the word of God to move us. But we get so caught up in time. And I apologize for taking time. But sometimes I wonder if we just kind of look at how much time we spend doing other things. And what, how much time we really spend with a time giver called Jesus Christ. One that gives us, the Bible says this, we live and move and have our being by Him. We couldn't put one foot in front of the other without Him. It's His mercy and grace of every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, month, and year. It's God-given. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to spend our time? If I can encourage you any, by any means this morning, I'm going to encourage you to read your Bible. Get a love for it. Pray for it. If you don't have it, pray for one. God can place a will. That's what Paul's right to the Corinthian church. God will put that will in you. God will put that desire. We're not born with it. I, I'm here to tell you, the Bible says, carnality is hostile against God. That never changes. Doesn't matter how much Holy Ghost you get. Doesn't matter how much you walk in God. That, that part of us never changes. We constantly battle against it, war against it. Because flesh wants its way. Desires its desires and their passions and pleasures. 
And if you listen to it, he'll justify it. He'll justify your actions. But here, let's hear the word of God about it, ladies and gentlemen. Let's hear the word of God. Let's let it be the word that'll move us like we've never been moved before. When we come in this place, we come in to hear the word of God. We come in to see a move of God. We come and experience the power of God. Miracles and wonders and signs and souls being delivered and lives being transformed. That's the power of the word of God. Let's don't make the mistake, a man that the king made and just took a knife and cut it and threw it in the fire. Walk out the doors and just, you know, I wonder how many, how many coffee tables and nightstands that the book is just laying on. Night after night, week after week, month after month, Dutch collected on it. And nobody bothered to pick it up. Open the lids up. Give us hope. Give us direction. To help, help us. I, I wonder if we dug deep enough, and I know my time's up, but, but I just wonder if we dug into this more. And quit relying upon other things. Just how sound our mind would become. How settled our emotions would become. We wouldn't be tossed to and fro. Not when you settled on this. Let's pray. God, we love you this morning. God, we're so thankful for the Word of God, the written Word. Lord, we ask you to help us, help us, help all of us. Help me, help me, God, my passion, my desire to know it, to love it, to read it, to study it out, God, to live it, God, to be that spiritually pistol that you're calling us to be in the world and the time that we're living you look down upon this service this morning, upon each soul and life that's here, we come hungry, we come thirsty. Why else would we come, God, except to hear your word, to feel your touch, to, to hear your voice, to allow your hand, your voice and your word to operate in our lives and to operate in our spirit, to help mold and shape us into who and what you desire us to be individually, but yet as a church, God. I'm praying for a special touch on every man, every woman in this house today. A visitation, a moving of the powers of your grace, God. I'm binding up the fowls of the air that they wouldn't be able to come, God, and snatch away the word of God. For it has a time, God, to have an effect in their hearts, their minds, and their spirit. I'm putting your blood over the souls and calling the authority of the powers invested in your name on every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place today. That your hand and your voice would go with us, leading us, guiding us, bringing us God under that place that you'd have us to be giving you the glory for it giving you the praise for it in this house today we ask it in no other name but in the name of Jesus we love you today and appreciate you trust God believe in God pray for an ear to hear the word of God and a heart to be moved Don't let your heart be calloused don't let the world rob you of the greatest thing that's ever been offered to any soul. That's life eternal through Jesus Christ. Love you this morning. God bless you. See you tonight, 5.30 prayer time, 6 o'clock service time. 
Come expecting a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this house tonight. God bless you.